Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Seth Yolorda, and I wanna thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to this week's message. Our prayer is that it will leave you inspired, encouraged, and challenged as you grow higher in Christ. And I also just wanna ask that if this message is a blessing to you, that you would take the time to share it, to send it to a friend, send it to a family member so that they too can be blessed. Again, we thank you for taking the time to listen and we pray that you are blessed. Relove Church family, thank you so much for taking time and worshiping with us today. Now I'm super excited because today we actually have a speaker, Pastor George Tutuyu, who's gonna come and deliver the word for us this morning. Now, many of you all probably know him because he is now our worship coordinator and he's been one of our worship coordinator here at Relove for the last couple months. Um, and he's actually spoken here at the church some time ago, maybe four or five, six months ago, but he's back again. I'm super excited that he's gonna come and deliver today's message. I know that you will be blessed. And so we wanna make sure that you share this word with your friends and your family and that you are in a position where you can be focused. If you're in the kitchen cooking breakfast, we want you just to push pause and to come and just tune into the word so that you can receive all that God has to say to you today. Now also, in addition to um, George speaking, we also are going to start a new series today, which we're excited about, which is called Thanks for Nothing. And this series is really in light of, yes, Thanksgiving and the holiday season, which is upon us, but also many of us are still trying to cope and deal with the, the election and the pandemic and just everything that's happening in this country. How do we live a grateful, gratitude, thankful life in the midst of so much uncertainty around us? And so for the next three weeks, maybe even four weeks, we're going to be dealing with gratitude and thanksgiving. And so please, 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 we ask that you would just really tune in and share the message that you can be blessed and those around you can be blessed as well. Again, I'm praying for you, and I look forward to what God has to say to us today. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Relove Church family, how's it going? Good morning. I'm so incredibly excited to be here, and I'm so incredibly thankful um, for this new sermon series that we're about to dive into. But before we get into that, could you just put in the chat an amen and hallelujah at the previous sermon series that we've been going through? Pastor Seth has been preaching up a storm first with our identity series such an amazing series and then next with red white revelation just dropping some revelation knowledge and making us aware of the fact that we are citizens of heaven first that we are citizens under the kingdom of God first Babylon is fallen such a powerful series and now we're diving into um, one of the most favorite holidays uh, really of my life uh, I have so many incredible moments um, thinking back to all of the thanksgivings that I've been through already truly this is my favorite holiday why because I love food if there's anything that you know about me if you follow me on Instagram you know full and well that I love cooking food that I love doing uh, doing the duty of just chefing it up one time because food to me, uh, you could probably say it could be like my 
other love language apart from all the other love languages that I have. But food is one of those things, man, that I that I absolutely love to cook, that I absolutely love to eat, obviously. And um, Thanksgiving is simply just a celebration of that, us gathering together around the table and eating good food. You know what I'm saying? Like the mashed potatoes and the gravy on Thanksgiving just hit a little bit different. You know, the, the, the turkey, obviously, we don't necessarily have that often unless you eat a lot of like turkey sandwiches and stuff like that. But like turkey, roasted turkey or deep fried turkey, by the way, I just had that the last Thanksgiving. That is the bomb. Like deep fried turkey. I never had deep fried turkey before. But last Thanksgiving, bro, like it was insane. And I don't want to ever have any other type of turkey but deep fried turkey. But that's insane. Like, this is the thing. It hits different on Thanksgiving. But we're coming up on a Thanksgiving that's unlike any other. These are truly unprecedented times as we've gone through uh, with our all of our series thus far. And such is the case with this series now that we happily titled it Thanks for nothing. You know when like you're lost and you want to try and find some directions to somewhere and you ask somebody and they start giving you some directions, but really they actually don't know where they're going to or they don't know where it is that you're trying to go. And so they they try to give you directions anyway and it just leads you to nowhere. And then you look at them and you're just like, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about about just as much as me. So uh, thanks for nothing, right? It's, it just seems like direction has totally been stripped away of us in these unprecedented times. It seems like everywhere we look is confusion and perhaps chaos. Everywhere we turn to, you know, we could simply say this, COVID, yeah, thanks for nothing. Donald Trump, oh, might have ruffled some feathers there. But some people could say thanks for nothing. 2020, man, we, we can't wait for the time for 2020 to be over. If we could, it would probably, for most of us, end right here today, if, if it could happen. Could we just like flip the chapter to 2021 and see how things start over and get back to normal? Guess what? We're not going back to normal. This is the new normal here in these unprecedented times. And so we look at what is going around all around us. We look at what is going on in our homes and we wonder and perhaps we ask the question, how can I be grateful? How can I live a thankful life in the midst of so much uncertainty? I'm glad you asked the question because in the next few moments, we're going to dive right on in to just that. I'm so excited to start this series off Thanks for nothing. Is there really nothing to be thankful for or is there something more that we can be thankful 
for. Man, just call me a rapper. That was smooth. That was super smooth. No, just kidding. Um, but we're in 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9, if you will go there with me on your iPhone. Uh, one of the things that uh, has impressed me so much about this these sermon series that we've gone through before um, is that, man, like, I, I, for me personally, I can't memorize a whole sermon just by listening to it. I've got to take notes. I've got to write some things down. And the moment I write some things down, the moment that I, I, I get a nugget of encouragement from our pastor, Pastor Seth, major shout outs to him for entrusting me with this spot, entrusting me with this position right now to be able to speak the word of God here this morning. Major, major, major shout outs to him. But every time I, I get some nuggets and some encouragement out of his messages, I always text him the notes that I have. I always text him and, 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 and let him know like, yo, this hit different. This hit deep. And uh, they, they are super, super helpful when you take notes during sermon time. It's super, super helpful when you're going through your week and you're like, bro, like what type of encouragement is it that I need right now? Because bruh, your dude is struggling. You look at these notes and boom, right there, you remember, you remember, you remember all of the encouragement that comes out of a Saturday morning. And uh, I, I, I can't wait sometimes to share the message uh, that I've received um, from Pastor Seth and boom, I text him right away. And so I encourage you as we dive deep into scripture, please take notes, please get out your iPad or go old school with a pen and paper, you know what I'm saying? Um, leave the screens behind. Or if, if you've got your iPhone right now and you're just watching from TV, you're casting it on your YouTube TV, on your um, on your TV screen, um, just take out your iPhone real quick and open up notes. And uh, I hope and pray that we can break this bread together and that you will get a sense of how we can start to live a grateful life in the midst of our uncertainty. Thanks for nothing. Uh, maybe there's a little bit more in store for us. We're in 2 Samuel 9. 2 Samuel 9, verses 1 through 8, and 8 is where we'll stop here in a second, um, and then we will continue on. But just to give you a little bit of backstory on what it is that we're reading, we're um, in the book of 2 Samuel, obviously, and David has just come, King David now, has just come out of triumph after triumph in 2 Samuel chapter 8. We see him win victory over victory through God, and he is... Uh, he is wanting to honor his boy who has just passed and he's wanting to show the kindness of God. And here's what he does. Go there with me. Second Samuel chapter nine, verses one through eight. Second Samuel chapter nine, verses one through eight. If you're there, you could go ahead and comment. Amen. We're about to get ready. We're about to dig in. I hope you're ready. Let's go. Verse one says this, I'm reading from the New International Version. It says, David asked, is there anyone still left to the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Verse two, now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David and the king said to him, are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. Verse three, the king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's 
kindness, Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. Notice this. We haven't discovered yet the main character, but we are learning first before his name, his condition. There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? Verse four, the king asked. Ziba answered, he is at the house of Makir, son of Amiel in Lodabar. Verse five, so King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Makir, son of Amiel. Verse six, when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. And David said, Mephibosheth, Try to say that five times fast. Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always, always, always eat at my Table. Verse 8, Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? I'm speaking this morning from the topic, it's the table for me. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I want to thank you so much for gathering us here via the internet to um, come to you, come before you. We're asking in this moment, God, for your Holy Spirit to do what it does best, to move through us, within us, in such a way that we might leave this service fully changed and transformed because of who you are and what you've done. God, there is so much uncertainty going on right now. There are so many plans that have been shattered through COVID. There have been so many, so much confusion going on on Facebook and on Instagram about all the politics that we are seeing. There is so much chaos going on. It seems as though it is to no end. Oh God, help us in this moment to realize that there's still something to be grateful for in the midst of uncertainty. God, help us to start to live grateful lives is my prayer. And as we dive straight into scripture, we ask, oh God, we ask, oh God, that you continue just to guide us all the more. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen and amen. I recently just bought a new quote unquote road bike. Um, it was used, I got it on Craigslist. Um, and I was so excited to pick it up, man. I was grinning from ear to ear picking it up because I used to cycle a lot. I used to play, um, college soccer and I would, uh, ride my bike, um, to and from practice up a hill and down a hill all the way in the hills of PUC. If you're familiar with PUC, you know, it's hills for days out in PUC. Shout outs, major shout outs to my old school. I love my school. I miss my school. And, uh, God has been really good to my school. Just short uh, deviation here from our regular program. God has been so good to my school, um, in that it was not hit, 
um, by the fires and the kids are on campus right now um, getting their education on and um, learning learning more um, in the holy hill um, the famous hill and so major major shout outs to to my school um, they've got an amazing set of pastors there as well one of my mentors pastor shonda nunez shout outs to you um, just for being able to teach me um, everything that you have and for most importantly teaching me kindness and teaching me how to love others well uh, major major shout outs to my boss but I was so excited to finally get a road bike a couple of weeks ago actually um, and uh, I got this road bike and this guy sold it to me for such an amazing price and I was so stoked about the price and then boom it came with these shoes and boom like it was all shiny and nice and beautiful you know when you get something new you get you get really excited about it. even if it was old to somebody even if it was junk to somebody perhaps uh, for you if it's something new to you then it's it's new period like it's dope like it's amazing and uh, I got it tuned up and ready to go and boom uh, we were about to go on to our first ride my first ride on this thing my um, long-awaited ride because I had been looking for road bike after road bike after road bike and finally I landed on this one and I was really really excited for it I got it all tuned up got it all polished got it all cleaned out and uh, we went for our first ride and we were in Colton and uh, we were probably going to go for about a 20, 30 mile ride. And I was getting really excited. We hit um, what's called the Santa Ana Trail. If you guys are familiar with the Santa Ana Trail, it's so beautiful. It's so gorgeous riding on that trail. And um, we started riding on it. And I looked at all the sites and it was so beautiful and so picturesque. Like uh, all of it was just uh, an Instagram storyable moment. And um, I was riding, riding, riding. And then boom, my cousin got a flat. And so here we were walking <laughs> three miles to the near. Um, bike station to be able to fix his flat. Come to find out, he loads his bike into the back of his fiance's car and um, he leaves us and he's just like, hey guys, I'm done for the day. Uh, why don't you guys head back on um, your bikes? I'm gonna ride the car. Okay, wow. Bye, Felicia. Like, we've walked three miles with you already and you're just gonna up and leave us just like that and not get your tire fixed and continue the journey on with us. Okay, whatever, bye. So we uh, take the trail some more and it ends in Corona. And just as we hit Corona, there is probably like a 9% grade hill that we're going up. And mind you, this is the first time that I'm riding my new road bike and my legs are so incredibly burnt, are so incredibly toast going up this hill. But you know, your, your, your boy ain't no punk. And so I stay with this guy. I was riding, <laughs> believe it or not, with a triathlete and a person that had been training with this triathlete for the past two months. And I was trying on my first ride in years to keep up with them. It was already burnt going up this hill, but obviously we had to come down and all the way from Corona, we had to ride our bike to Colton. 
I'm starting to ride and I, I feel the wind in my hair and it's amazing going down a hill and it's, it's so reminiscent of how it was road biking in the past, road biking in PUC and I was thoroughly enjoying myself until boom, I get some pain happening and yes, I start cramping up bad. I haven't felt these cramps in so long. It's, it feels like I just um, went through 90 plus minutes and overtime in a soccer match. My legs are burning. So we stop and we recover uh, under Mount Rubido. And these guys that I'm riding with are absolutely nuts. They climb Mount Rubido while I'm waiting on the bottom of the hill um, recovering. They cycle all the way up and back down and I am still recovering. And here I am in the midst of pain. And of course, as luck would have it, as we are about to leave uh, Mount Rubido, boom, my front tire goes out and my tire is now flat. Everything is starting to go absolutely wrong. We managed to fix it, I had a spare, but I couldn't help but thinking as I was in my last mile and a half, what am I doing here? Why am I even on this bike? I started to convince myself, George, you're not a cyclist. Even though I was so close to the end, I was convincing myself that I was weak, that I was whack, that I was terrible. What is it that I am, what, what, what am I doing here on this bike right now? We were so close to the end, but it feels like what we were going through was never ending. The pain that I felt was so painful that instead of putting it in its right place, it started to become a placeholder in the perception of the person that I was. There's a perception that shifts. Stay with me now. There's a perception that shifts in the middle of pain that tells us we're nothing more than what we're going through. We're nothing more than where we've been. We're nothing more than what our struggles are. When I was riding that bike that last mile and a half, all I kept thinking was, you are so weak. You used to be so strong. Now, look at you. You used to be so fit. Now look at you, you're weak and you're nothing more than that. My pain and my place dictated my perception. And that's where we find ourselves in the story of Mephibosheth, specifically in verse 8. Go there with me to verse 8. Mephibosheth here is in the face of the king, face down. And he is saying this after the king has declared so many amazing commands that Mephibosheth was to receive. He, he does not claim a single one of them. Instead, his perception is shifted because of his pain and his place. He says this, Mephibosheth, verse 8, Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead 
dog like me. Mephibosheth was coming from a place so bleak that all that his perception was of himself was nothing more than a dead dog. Step one to living a thankful life, and I hope you're taking notes right now. Step one, we're going to go through a couple of steps more, but step one right now to living a thankful life, to starting a thankful life in the midst of uncertainty is do not let your pain or your place dictate your perception. Let me say that again. Do not let your pain, in other words, what you've been through or what you're currently going through, come on somebody, or your place where you're from, dictate your perception. Do not let your pain or your place dictate your perception. This is how we're going to start living a thankful life is if we do not let our pain or our place dictate our perception. I need you to catch this, so I'm just going to break it down a little bit further. Comment an amen, comment a hands up emoji right now if you're ready to dive into scripture with me. Again, we're in 2 Samuel chapter 9, 2 Samuel chapter 9, and I want to just give you some context a little bit so that we can understand what I'm really trying to say right now. Do not let your pain or your place dictate your perception. Mephibosheth had a perception that was so far off of who he actually was. Mephibosheth had a perception that was so far off from who he actually was. We're in the beginning of 2 Samuel chapter 9 right now, and we realize again that David, King David, is trying to show the kindness of God to the lineage of Jonathan. He's trying to show the kindness of God through the lineage of Jonathan. Why? Because Jonathan has um, has fallen. He has he has died in this past, and, and he's trying to make right, and, and he loves his boy, he loves his best friend. And so he's just like, listen, I've gone through triumph over triumph. As we look at second Samuel um, chapter eight, I've gone through triumph over triumph. It's time for me to show some kindness. It's time for me to give back uh, what is rightfully this person's, this, this, this person that belongs to the lineage of Jonathan. I'm trying to honor my boy right now. I love my boy and he has passed. And so there's got to be somebody that I could show kindness to that's related to him. And so he summons uh, a servant of Saul, um, a servant by the name of Ziba. And he asks Ziba, is there anybody left in the house of Saul that I can show God's kindness to? And notice how Ziba recognizes our main character and recognizes our Mephibosheth. Ziba says in verse 3, Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in both feet. We're introduced to our main character, not by his name, but by his condition. This is a servant. This is a servant. And if we know anything about servants in this day and time, they are the lowly of the low. And still yet, a son of Jonathan a son of a line of kings is recognized by his condition instead of by name. 
But it gets even worse. It gets even worse. So now we, we starting to paint a picture of the pain that he's going through. He was crippled in both feet. Theologians say he was born that way. He was just like that from the very beginning. Lame in both feet. Verse four, the king asked, where is he? And Ziba answered, he is at the house of Makir, son of Amiel in Lodabar. Now we're introduced to his place. We were first introduced to his pain, to his condition that Ziba had declared even before Ziba was going to say his name. He looked at his pain instead. He looked at his, his weakness, his crippledness, his brokenness instead of looking at his actual name is what Ziba did. And now he, he's, he's being introduced by where he's from. I need you to get and understand where he's from, this place called Lodabar, because many theologians Theologians have uh, have fully agreed that Lodabar might as well have been deleted off of the map of the kingdom at that time. Lodabar was a place where literally it translates to nothing can grow here. Nothing can live here. There is nothing. A lot of theologians have said nothing good comes from Lodabar. That's what I've found in my studies and in the commentaries that I've been reading. All theologians pretty much agree there is nothing that could possibly be good that comes out of Lodabar. Lodabar literally is a place of nothingness. There is nothing good that can come out of Lodabar. And so it makes sense through the, what we're witnessing as far as how Mephibosheth is being introduced. It makes total sense that Mephibosheth is in this perception of himself, in this place of his life where his perception is, listen, I'm crippled, I'm broken, and I come from a place of nothing. Of course, I'm nothing more than a dead dog. But stay with me here. Stay with me here right in this scripture. So King David, verse 5, had him brought from Lodabar. Stay with me right there. Had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. Verse 6, when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to him with honor, and David said, Mephibosheth. Now, for the first time within our story, the name of Mephibosheth is said, and it comes directly out of the mouth of the king. The king is the first to recognize Mephibosheth by name, and he calls him by name. And he says, at your service. Verse 7, don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore you to all the land. There is so much good commands here that he is saying. And mind you, right now, just to paint the picture a little bit, we are in the court of the king's palace already. Stay with me. And yet, even still... Mephibosheth declares himself as nothing better than a dead dog. What do you want with me, Mephibosheth is saying? Why would you even consider me? I think you've got the wrong person. I came from nothing. 
I am nothing. What could you possibly want from me? Mephibosheth in this moment accepted that where he was from was also and in fact who he was. His perception he took on as now his persona. But was he wrong for it? Was he wrong for having an outlook like that? There was nothing going for him. Ziba, the servant, doesn't even acknowledge him by name, but rather by condition. There's nothing going for him. So, of course, his outlook of himself is going to be as if he were a dead dog, right? And on top of that, he was crippled. Of course, he's going to have a perception that is so deflating, a perception that is so crushing because of his his pain and his place. His pain and his place, of course, is going to dictate his perception. But mind you, he was already in the king's court. He was already cast out of Lodabar. Here's the perception. I just want to make this clear. Here's what Mephibosheth really is saying as he's saying, I'm nothing but a dead dog. He's. This is what he's saying. I, I appreciate you taking me out of Lodabar. I appreciate you getting me summoned out of Lodabar and now you've brought me out of Lodabar and wow that's amazing and that you've taken me here out of Lodabar but but see Lodabar is where I belong. Mephibosheth is saying here really by saying that he's a dead dog I, I, I appreciate you carrying me into this court. I appreciate you carrying me into this court and, and, and into this beautiful palace and into this amazing place. But I, I don't think I'm supposed to be here. I'm just a dead dog. So, 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 so why are you taking me in here? I appreciate you carrying me into this amazing place. Wow, this place is, is actually pretty nice. You got this big old crib. You got these pretty nice seats and uh, this huge table with lots of food and lots of help and lots of hands and lots and lots. Dang it, yeah, this, this, this crib is, is, is really nice, but, but why am I here? Why am I here? See, the thing is, Mephibosheth is not getting the picture. Mephibosheth misses the picture. He misses the point, misses the mark because he's too clouded by where he's from. He's too consumed by the pain that he was in. He's too consumed in his own mess. He's too bothered with where he's at in this point in his life. Nothing good comes out of Lodabar, yet someone has already come out of Lodabar, yet someone has been carried to the king's court already, yet someone has been offered a way out, yet someone has been offered provision beyond measure. Pastor George, what are you trying to say to me? What I'm trying to say is don't miss your blessing by looking down at your mess. Don't miss your blessing. But looking down at your mess, the whole time we see that Mephibosheth was prostrate on the ground, looking down on the ground. And he said, I might as well be underneath this ground with this statement of I'm nothing more than a dead dog. And yet we see that he was already taken out of low debar. He was already taken out of the place of nothingness by being summoned on that 
very ground. And yet he still doesn't realize because of his perception of where in fact he is and who in fact he was. He missed the point altogether because he let his pain and his place dictate his perception. And he missed it. He totally missed it. Don't Second point in and how we start living a thankful life is if we got to start noticing the beauty around us. When I was riding that bike that last mile and a half, again, I was trying to tell you earlier, I, I could not imagine being on that bike anymore. I looked down on the tires and I said, man, this is horrible. Man, my perception was right here, right here on these tires and my pain and, and my frustrations and my worries and my uncertainties and all of the things that have wor been worrying me. I was just like, dude, why am I even here? And I started to believe within myself that I was weak. I started to believe within myself that I should not keep going, that I could not keep going, that I was not a cyclist anymore, but rather I was just a weak person in the wrong place at the wrong time. What is it that you want me here for? I'm nothing. I'm nothing. Nothing, I'm nothing. And the kid is, the king is saying, no, you're everything. You're everything to me. Don't let your pain and your place dictate your perception. That's number one. And don't miss your blessing. Number two, by looking down at your mess. Mephibosheth was already taken out of Lodabar. He was already in the king's court. And the king revealed to him an amazing plan for the rest of his life. And yet still, he declared that he was nothing more than a dead dog. I don't know about you, but where I am right now, I could not be if it wasn't for the grace of God. I don't know about you, but if it wasn't for God leading in my life and taking me out of dark things already, taking me out of dark places already, taking me out of nothingness already, I don't know about you, but as I look through the course of my life, and I've seen how God has delivered me over and over and over and over and over again. I can't help but be excited and be expectant and be confident in understanding that I'm standing on a blessing, that I'm here only and simply by the grace of God. I should have been dead. I shouldn't have been here right now in this moment. I should not be alive, but if it wasn't for the grace of God delivering me over and over and over again and taking me to new heights, taking me to new places, this is exactly what the king did for Mephibosheth in this moment. But he looked at his pain and he looked at his place and he said, listen, I'm not deserving of this. And the king was just trying to say, yes, 
You are because of who it is that you belong to, who it is that you simply are. You don't have to do anything for this. It's because of who you simply are, a son of Jonathan, that I'm going to give you everything that you could possibly need, regardless of your past, regardless of your pain, regardless of your place. Know this, I am here just for you and I've done it already, Mephibosheth. Can't you see you're out of Lodabar already? You're in the king's court already. And guess what? This king's court here will be your home. What does that mean? That means I'm, you're never going to see Lodabar again. That means you're here. You're right here with me. And you're never going to see Lodabar again. Don't miss your blessing, Mephibosheth. I've already taken you out of Lodabar. I've already carried you this far. And I will continue to carry you. I got you, is what David is trying to say. But there is more to the story. Woo! I'm getting so excited because we're about to dive into um, the three commands that we notice that the king gives within uh, verse 7. Right before Mephibosheth declares who he thinks he is, his warped perception of who he is, David says some commands that are very key for us to understand the character of God and what it is that we need to understand about God in order to live a grateful life. First, number one, the king declares, do not fear or do not be afraid. And it's such a simple command. But I need you to understand where this command is coming from. This command is coming specifically from King David. If there's anybody who knows anything about not fearing, it would be King David. This was a man now, but before he was a boy. And we know the story very, very well. He went with the strength of God. He went with the confidence of God. He went with the assurance that God was going to provide a way where it seemed like there was no way and literally single-handedly rescue a whole entire nation on the back of a couple of rocks and a sling. That is the power of God. That is the power of God that we have for us today to defeat any giant. And he simply stated, here, King David now, to Mephibosheth, number one, do not fear. Do not fear. For the Bible says, perfect love casts out all fear. Remember, he is, he is trying to set a precedent to his boy, Jonathan, who has passed away. I need to honor him. And this, this, this line from, from Jonathan or the, the lineage or Mephibosheth of the lineage of Jonathan is here right now. And David is trying to honor him and he starts with the first command, do not fear. 
I know how to take care of you and I will. And, and we'll find this out in the next command. So number one, the king's command to Mephibosheth of the line of Jonathan is do not fear. Number two, he says, surely, <laughs> I'm getting really excited now. Surely I will show kindness, but we don't have enough time for me to break it down. So I'll just break it down nice and short. Surely, as I looked in the uh, ancient Hebrew uh, to the time of, of how this was written, the original text of how these, these books here were written in the Old Testament, I looked up what surely meant um, in, in the ancient scripture writings, and it is a certainty. Surely, anytime we see surely within the Old Testament, there is a certainty behind it. And King David here is saying to Mephibosheth, surely I will show you kindness. I also looked up what kindness means in, um, in the ancient Hebrew. And we're, we're finding out here that kindness simply means favor. Surely I will show you kindness. Surely I will show you kindness. There is a certainty of favor just for you. There is a certainty of favor that comes from God. If we look earlier within the text, David is saying, I need to show the kindness of God to somebody. Is there anybody still alive that I could show the kindness of God to? And this is it right here. He declares it one more time for us to realize that our God is a good God, that our God is a kind God, and that our God gives us a certainty of favor. So number Number one, do not fear. In the face of uncertainty, do not fear. Number two, know this, that God has a certainty of favor for you. With all of the uncertainty that is going on, hold on to this truth that there is certainty for you. In the midst of all of this, all of this ruckus, all of this chaos, all of this, uh, the, this, this, this consuming political climate that we are in, the pandemic and everything, Within it and all of our struggles and all of our pains and all of our worries and all of our bills and the fact that we're a full uh, a full time worker and yet we still got to figure out some way of how we're going to get our kid into homeschooling and, and on the computer for hours and hours on end. How do we juggle all of these things? Listen, there is a certainty of favor just for you coming directly from God. Surely I will show you kindness. This is in fact the king's command to us. And number three, King David says, you will be restored your land and you will eat. In other words, the king will supply all your needs. I will give you every provision you will need. In other, other words, you're not going to go back to Lodabar anymore. You don't need to go back to the land of nothing. You don't need to go back to a place where nothing grows 
Talk about something out of nothing. Talk about blessed and highly favored. Talk about a way maker, a promise keeper, a light in the darkness and a light that gets us out of it. Mephibosheth, you're not going back. You're moving forward. You will be restored your land and you will eat. This is the king's command. I will supply all of your needs, but it does not stop there. There's one last command that I want us to look at that David declares here in verse 7, then that he declares again later on. The last command that David gives to Mephibosheth for him to have is that you will always eat at my table. Verse 7 says. If we go further into scripture, we notice that uh, in verse 12 and 13 is the culmination of this story. It says, Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. Verse 13, and Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table, and he was lame in both feet. He was always carried to the king's table, him and his son. And he always had land and he always had food to eat. And he was always welcomed in the king's table. If none of that is anything to be thankful for, then it would be the table for me. It's the eating at his table that does it for me. Because it's at that table that I understand that I am truly and will forever be his. It's at that table that my condition is covered. It's at that table that I can see my Savior face to face and with confidence say that I am a child of God. In the face of chaos, when it seems like nothing is going right and everything is going wrong, may we know that in fact we are covered by our Father and that in fact we will always and forever be His son and daughter. He'll send someone to get you. He'll carry you through it. He'll call you by name because He knows who you are and whose you are. He's got commands for you. He He's got plans to prosper you and not to harm you. He'll sit with you and beside you. He'll cover you and provide for you simply because of who you are, which is his son and his daughter. If none of the deliverance over and over again is something to be thankful for, if the fact that he's carried me through thus far and I know that he will carry me again 
is something that I can't hold on to as far as being thankful for is concerned. If the fact of the commands that he has for me, that I don't need to fear, that his love casts out all fear. If um, it's the command that I have a certainty of favor from my father. If it's the fact that I don't need to worry about anything because he supplies all my needs. If any of those things aren't enough things for me to be thankful for. If none of these things, may I be thankful that I can eat at his table always. That I can eat and sit down and not have to be full and be in and, and look down at my mess. That I could simply be at his table and not, not have to struggle and not have to hold on to this pain. That I can simply bring everything that I am and everything that I have to this table where he says, I got you covered. I always will. Why? Because you're my son. You're my daughter. I got you, George. No matter what. All of these things I've done for you. But know this. You're always welcome to eat at my table. I've got you covered. How, 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 how do we start living a grateful life in the midst of uncertainty? It's knowing this, knowing who you are and whose you are is how we start to live a grateful life. It's the table for me. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for all of the revelations that you've revealed unto us here in this text. I want to thank you that you've delivered us out of darkness over and over and over again. That you've taken us through and you've carried us into your courts for us to see that we do not have to fear that, it, that there is a certainty of favor and that you will supply all of our needs, but even more than that, that we are welcome at your table where we do not see our brokenness anymore, where we are not filled with shame anymore, where you have simply covered us, not because of anything that we can do. <laughs> we couldn't even take ourselves to the table. Yet you carried us there. And you tell us at that table, I've got you, my son. I've got you, my daughter. May we hold on to this as we dive into the overwhelmingness of our week ahead. 
that we are in fact son and daughter of the Most High King, King Jesus. May we live, start to live a grateful life in that truth. We thank you and we love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, we're so excited again that you've joined us and we appreciate you so much for joining us. Listen, if it's your first time, we're so excited that you took the time to um, listen to the message and get through um, all of this worship with us. I hope you had a blessing in store for you. I hope you experienced one and I hope you can take one with you as we dive into our work week. Um, and this is our call to action that we want to embrace as we dive into the week. We just want you to simply ask the question, how can I live a grateful life in the midst of this uncertainty, knowing that I do not need to fear, knowing that there is a certainty of favor for me? What does that look like? That's what we want to ask you today as you contemplate during the week, as you're seeing some sort of worry come your way or some sort of fear come your way. I hope and pray that um, this is what we can uh, put as our uh, weapon towards uh, what it is that we're going through that we do not have to fear. Again, we're wanting to answer that question. How do we live a grateful life? What are the things that we can be grateful for? And we as a church family are really, really excited to hear those specific things as we dive into this season of Thanksgiving. We want to know what are you grateful for? Visit our website and click the link on the top right corner that says thanks for nothing because we really would love to hear your story. We really would love to hear your testimony of what it is that you're thankful for within this season. In the midst of all of this, we know full and well, well through the story that we just read that we can be thankful. So what is it that you're thankful for in this season? We'd love to share it. Um, so please, please, please uh, hit the link in our website and join the conversation of how we can be grateful in the times of uncertainty that we're living. One more thing, we're coming into the end of the year and we're coming into a very special event happening December 19th. It is our baptism event. It is our call to say, yes, I believe in this Savior named Jesus. Yes, I accept him as my Savior. Yes, I accept everything that he has in store for me and I can't wait to live a life that is with him, through him, and for him. If you want to say yes, if you have not been baptized before or if, you, or if you would like to be baptized again, we encourage you please to get into contact with us. Click the website. There is going to be a scan code that you can scan at the end of this message for you to scan. There is a number that you can call as well for you to understand that man, a life that is in Jesus isn't a perfect one, but it is a better one. Please know this, that we would love, love, love for you to join us on that baptism event, December 19th. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm excited just now even just talking about it. So if that's you, if you've never been baptized before and you're contemplating and wondering what all this Jesus thing is about, please hit the link and uh, make sure you contact us via phone number or our scan code. Again, we want to say if this is your first time with us, we're 
so glad you tuned in. We're so glad that you joined us and you are automatically a part of the Relove family. Welcome home. We'll see you next week.